great. Well, I think we'll begin. Uh, Tony's coming around with a handout, so you, you'll get that from him. Uh, so we're beginning in the book of Exodus, as we've left Hebrews, and we're going backwards. So let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as you took your people Israel out of Egypt, so deliver us from our darkness and bondage to sin, that we might see your eternal truth in your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, uh, so we're, we're embarking on a new uh, journey. I, Exodus is unique uh, because it's one that is familiar with the ten plagues, so everyone knows sort of the ten plagues, um, and even sort of the background of Moses and the basket, right? I mean, I don't know how many little coloring book pictures I've seen with Moses in the basket. Um, but to, to delve into it, I think, is good for us um, to start to understand why this is inspired by God and put down. So just to give us some context here, the writer is Moses. Now, Moses is uh, the writer of the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, the Pentateuch, that's right. Um, so the, the five books. Uh, and those five books, then, are really a unit. Uh, and, and it's from the, the Pentateuch. Sometimes it's called the Torah. Um, and that is also the teaching. Right? So Torah is, uh, or Orah in the, uh, in the Hebrew is to teach. Uh, and so, really, these, are the, these five books are the teaching, or the catechism, if you will, of, uh, of Israel. Uh, to know these five books and to know what is in them, uh, it, it became part of the, you know, the bar mitzvah. Everyone knows sort of what that is, right? Um, so that's the, uh, the putting to memory of many things or, or all of them uh, in the Torah. Uh, so the Torah then is really the foundation stone. Um, many times we uh, forget the Old Testament or uh, we, we think that it's less important than the new, um, but this is where God began and the reason Jesus came. Um, so as we went through Hebrews, we heard that these are shadows. But the shadows are there to point us to the real thing. Uh, and, and God was setting all this up to point to Jesus. Uh, so Moses, even, even then, uh, is pointing to Jesus. And we'll look at how that happens in Exodus uh, it's, it's interesting to do it through history um, because we sort of get when there's exact one-to-one, right? Jesus came. Jesus died for you. You know, Jesus is teaching you this. Um, but when we begin to see the shadows, we begin to see the pictures were there all along. You know, Moses uh, being spared uh, from all of the infants being destroyed. Well, what about Jesus and Herod, Right? Um, so these connections are throughout the scriptures, uh, and they're always pointing back to Jesus coming, dying, and giving us forgiveness. Exodus, uh, again, being a little less familiar with the end of it, uh, I think will help us. Genesis, we know. So just to put us where we are, um, Genesis is creation story, right? And then next comes uh, Adam and, uh, and, well, really if we want to do the major stories, uh, creation, the fall, Cain and Abel, 
right? Uh, and that's really where the separation begins. So at Cain and Abel, you have these two people groups, right? So Cain and his descendants, uh, and then Abel and his descendants, or really they're continued through Seth. Uh, so Seth then, and you get these genealogies. But remember, why are there so many genealogies in Scripture? What is the point of a genealogy? To trace Christ back. Yeah. Yeah, it's always to trace the descendants. And, and, why, and, and you, you said Christ, but why do they have this thing that Christ is coming? What is that from? It's from Genesis 3, right? When God curses the serpent, he also gives the promise of Jesus. You, you, uh, the seed of a woman will come, and he will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. So there we have the promise of Jesus being from the seed of a woman. Now, it's interesting because uh, you know, the, many times we don't think this way because um, we're not old enough, uh, or at least not Hebrew. Uh, so why is it strange to say the seed of a woman? Why is that strange? Because women do not have seed. Women don't have seed, right? Not, seed are not from women. And yet, there is Jesus, and he is the seed of a woman, uh, because the woman's the only one involved. God is the father, right? And Mary is the virgin uh, who receives Jesus, formed from her flesh. Um, so even there, right, all things are already spelled out. Later on, uh, Paul goes deep into this, right? Uh, the seed of Abraham. And of course, you know, the Jewish people thought, oh, that's us. But Paul takes it back and says, no, there's only one. It's singular. And if you wish to be part of the seed, you have to be part of what? You have to be part of Jesus, right? Um, so this is then the unpacking of that promise. Adam and Eve knew it, right? And Eve said, uh, you know, some, some translation, I don't know, how does the New King James do it? Um, so when she bears a child, uh, she says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Um, now, the, the, the Hebrew, you could even interpret it, I have acquired a man, the Lord. A difference, right? Um, and so Eve is looking to this promise, uh, thinking that this is it, this is the seed. Of course, that man was who? Cain. <laughs> Oops, you know, <laughs> uh, not right. Um, but it, it, it shows then that she was looking for the promise, um, but also to caution us that we can't decide which one it is, right? Um, now, after Seth, the next one coming up is Noah, right? Of course, Noah and the flood, uh, and then the world that's narrowed down to how many people? Eight, Eight people, right? Uh, and now, what is the flood a picture of? Baptism. Baptism, right? And Paul brings us in. He says, baptism now saves you. Like Moses and the eight, so it saves you. Not as a washing of the body, but of the soul. So we have baptism then prefigured. Um, and, and again, Paul uses all these images, right? So Noah, uh, next one is who? Comes up next. What? Abraham, right? Uh, and of course, that's, that's all through the New Testament, right? Uh, children of Abraham, you know, Jesus says, uh, before Abraham was, I am, right? Uh, so Abraham's all over the place. Um, and he is the one who receives the extended promise. Uh, so Noah gets the promise, I'm not going to destroy the world again. 
now Abraham gets the promise. And what's the promise that's unique to Abraham? What's his promise by God? The land, yep, that's, that's first, right? Promised land. And the descendants, what? The father of many nations, that's right, that's right, yeah. Circumcision, yeah, good. So all these things are, are starting to come out, and God is unpackaging everything, right? Um, so now, of course, in Hebrews, because we're sort of hot off the press of Hebrews, um, what does the promised land mean for Abraham again? According to the book of Hebrews, what is the promised land Israel. promised to Abraham? Not Israel. What is the promised land? Heaven. Heaven. Yeah, it's the new heavens, the new earth. Again, he never got it. And Abraham knew it. Uh, and this is the problem with the Jews of Jesus' day is what did they think about the promised land? What? It was here, yeah. They said, no, this is the, you know, we're here. But we have the temple and we have all these great things and all these riches. At least, you know, the prominent people in Jerusalem as opposed to all the people out by Jesus where he was with the lepers and the sick and the demon-possessed. Yeah. It's interesting. It's occurred to me that that promise is related to what happened with the power of Jesus. In other words, the Jews of Jesus' time were trying to make the kingdom of the yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so before, okay, so right after Noah, we didn't get that, but that's in there, right? What happens after Noah? The Tower of Babel, which is, uh, is astonishing because, again, you have these two times in history where all of humanity is in one family, Adam and Eve and Abraham and, and uh, Sarah. Right? No. I'm sorry. Noah. 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 Um, and so we have Noah and his family, the eight, and we have Adam and Eve. And so two times in history, everyone knows about God, the true God. And what happened? Cain and Abel, Tower of Babel, right? So the, we have to have a savior that is different. It cannot be that it's only a man. Man cannot be saved. It, happened, it could have happened twice, but it didn't. Because it wasn't enough. Um, so the Tower of Babel happens. Everyone's spread out. You notice with the Tower of Babel, who are the good guys in the Tower of Babel? The good guys. Yeah, the good guys. In the Tower of Babel. No one. There's no good guys. And, so, and this is the strange thing. In the story of Abraham, how, how does Abraham find out about God? God had to come to him. As if all the knowledge of God on earth had disappeared. And this then is a strange happening because how? how? You had, the whole family knew God. They, they knew the problem. You know, they had all the things from Adam and Eve. And still, there was darkness that descended upon humanity. So again, this is the trajectory. This is why in, in Romans chapter 1, he's just explaining the history of mankind without God. If God doesn't save us, we become darkness, and that's all. Um, okay, so Tower of Abel, and then we have Abraham. Uh, Abraham, who's next in line? Isaac, yeah. Um, so what's, what's unique about Isaac? What's his... Anything unique about Isaac? 
He's got an old mom, yeah. He what? No, he what? Well, he was and he wasn't. It was sort of, it's a strange situation, right? You're right, because Ishmael was there, um, but he wasn't of Sarah. And so, uh, so, so Ishmael was the firstborn from someone else, and he wasn't promised. Ishmael was not the promised one, right? Um, so Isaac, the unique part about Isaac is, uh, and, and this is the story, sort of the controlling story of the Old Testament, is what? Isaac represented salvation as a savior. Yes. He was going to be sacrificed. Yes. It's the sacrifice of Isaac. So Isaac, it wasn't so much that God came to him. I mean, he did, of course. Um, but it was what, who Isaac was. He was the child of promise, and he was brought to the mountain to be sacrificed for the sin of man. Right? And God was portraying to us that, uh, of course, who gets sacrificed instead? The ram, right? Of the prefigurement of Jesus. Just pointing to, this is almost the story, but there's one to come. And he's going to be a substitute for mankind. All right, so you have Isaac. Uh, who is next? Jacob, Jacob right? Uh, and of course, we get Jacob and Esau in Hebrews. Uh, where uh, Jacob is the one who has the promise. Esau rejects the promise, right? He rejects as the firstborn. Um, so what's the thing about Jacob? What's, what's some of the unique stories of Jacob? Yeah, the wrestling with God, right? And he gets the name what? Yeah, I, I've, he struggled with God and man and conquered, okay? Um, so he, he then is the, the source of the name Israel, <coughs> Okay? Uh, to, to struggle with God and man. Okay, uh, so you have Jacob, and who's next? Joseph, Joseph right? And, and now, we're, now we're sort of in our timeline. Um, so Joseph comes, and, uh, well, and, and Israel, who does Israel become? It started with Jacob, that's a singular person, but who does Israel become? Yeah, God's people, Right? And, and where, where, where does Israel come from? Or those people come from? What, someone said it. 12 the 12 tribes. Yeah. So the 12 tribes of Israel are the 12 tribes literally of the man Israel. Right? Sometimes it's, you know, we forget. We say Israel all the time. But it was a man who struggled with God and conquered him relying on his promise. And this is, this is why the Old Testament reveals to us who Jesus is. They're all relying on God's promise of the coming Christ. So, uh, Jacob, Israel, and now we have the 12 tribes. Now, the interesting thing is, um, Jesus doesn't come from Joseph. Jesus comes from Judah, right? Um, and, and even more interesting is, where, how does Jesus come from Judah? What's his, what's his lineage from Judah? Through yes, through Tamar, who is, who is she? Yeah, it's his son's wife. <laughs> now, all the other, his sons died, so don't worry. It wasn't adultery, right? Um, but it, it's, it's sort of a crazy story, because how does, how does she uh, have a son by Judah? How does Tamar have a son by Judah? Yes, she tricks them, and how? She produces 
Yeah, Bible history 101. <laughs> you got to know about prostitution, right? My goodness, what a, it, the checkered past of our, the patriarchs is just, okay, Jesus came, well, actually, Jesus comes from two, well, one acted like a prostitute, one was a prostitute, right? Who's the other prostitute? Rahab, and she really was, right? She wasn't acting. But, but neither of them were from a family line that was Jewish, right? And, and that's some of the deception that Jesus was unraveling. Yeah? That's right. Yeah. That's right. 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 So, uh, so yeah. So, and you notice God just sort of enwraps all these things together, because without the physical history of Judah, what would not happen? Without the physical. Physical history. I mean, Judah being alive and being with Tamar, what would not happen? Their offspring. And this is the, the, the crazy and, and tenuous nature of Jesus' coming, is that he relied on people having children. What a, it's just unheard of. Couldn't Jesus just sort of pop, pop out of the ground? You know? Bam! Same thing as Adam, you know? Shaped him from the dust. But he didn't do it. Instead, he was here to redeem us, and therefore, he was one flesh with us. With one thing different. No sin, right? He did not have sin. And yeah, he didn't have a father, right? His father was God. Wasn't born of a man. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I shouldn't say he didn't have a father. You're right. Wasn't born of a man father, but of God the Father, right? Yeah, or the will of man. Yeah, you got to love John. Um, so, so when we look at these Old Testament stories, we can't forget that all of them are absolutely vital. If one link is gone, Jesus is gone, right? But of course, God is going to fulfill his promise. Um, and so it was never really tenuous, even though our experience of it seems that way. Joseph, right, when he goes to Egypt, I mean, <laughs> uh, what were the things about Joseph in his life? What, the things that we know best. Coat of many colors. That's the beginning, right? Uh, and what... So really, whose fault was it that Joseph's brothers hated him? <laughs> I mean, maybe not. But it looks like his dad was favoring him, right? Um, because who is Joseph from? Who's his mother? Rachel. And what was the thing about Rachel. She couldn't conceive. Yeah, and he, he, she's the one. You're right. She couldn't conceive at first. And he, she's the one that, G, that, uh, that Jacob loved. Oh, goodness. Poor Leah, you know. She has all these children and Jacob still doesn't love her. And he doesn't get the point, right? God has closed Rachel's womb because he's like, hey, look, you know, I gave you this wife. And she's his first wife and still he despises her. Um, and so out of this despising, of course, uh, comes Joseph's uh, favorite, you know, he's the favorite, but also his, the, the, his brothers just hate him, right? Now, I don't, now the other thing that would have made Joseph's brothers hate him is what? His dreams, right? Hey, guys, guess what? You're going to bow down to me, okay? Just letting you know. Uh, by the way, you too, Dad, you know? I mean, 
But this is, of course, God's revelation. Now, it seems um, that Joseph maybe would, wasn't arrogant. I mean, of course, he's human, right? Um, but, you know, he still has faith this whole time, and faith makes you sort of humble, um, although maybe it sort of felt good when he was talking to his brothers. And maybe he had a different idea of how he would get to the whole everyone bowing down to him. Because what did it take for everyone to do that? What did Joseph have to go through? Yeah, first, well, and that was sort of the step three. First, he, he's enslaved, right? Uh, and, and even before that, thrown in a pit, and they're, and they're like, well, do we kill him? I don't know. What do you guys think, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering if they were discussing that at the, at the entrance of the pit, right? Well, hmm. Could you, could you imagine people contemplating, you know, how, yeah, do you think we should kill him? Let's take a vote, you know? Um, and then, of course, they're like, oh, no, why don't we just make some money and sell him into slavery? <laughs> That's a better option. Um, and then, of course, he gets Potiphar. And this poor guy, what happens at Potiphar's house? His wife falls in love. <laughs> and Joseph's like, no, no. He does the righteous thing, and he's punished for it, right? Um, Joseph really is a Christ-like character. Um, and, and he, in his life, really shows as a shadow of the one who is to come. I mean, again, think of when Jesus comes. He is despised by who? All the people of Israel, right? Uh, all the tribes hate him. Because, and, and why do they hate him? Because he tells them not just the dreams now, but the revelation that he is the one that all will bow down to. And they hate that. Yeah. I don't know if this is a stretch, but thinking of how Joseph made a foreshadow of Christ, how it went to prison, that like maybe a foreshadow of Jesus was in Hades? Could be, yeah, I think so. Right. Well, again, these shadows, just, you know, as long as they're connected to Jesus, again, they're, they're all meant to point that direction. So, I, of course, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's thrown in prison, right? Um, and, but what happens when he's in prison? And maybe this connects even more to that point. What happens when he's in prison? More what? More dreams. More dreams, yes. But what, what, is the, what does the prison master do to him? He puts him in charge. Now, that's a, that's a Christ-like interpretation, right? Because who, what does Jesus now have charge over? Death, right? Uh, and sin. He, he gets full reign. And the way he does it is that he has to go into it, Right? Um, so yeah, so Joseph then has full right. Now, uh, you're right though. He has dreams in prison. Uh, and these dreams then lead him out of prison. Um, and, uh, and, and who are the men who come to him? The baker and the, the, ba- well, the, baker and the cup bearer. Yeah. Uh, so the guy who would have examined all of the drinks that Pharaoh had. Uh, and, and who knows? It doesn't say why they are in prison. They just displease Pharaoh. So... Um, so the baker, of course, he had the bad interpretation. Uh, and then the cupbearer had the good one. He goes back. But, of course, he forgets about Joseph for how many years? As, yeah, as seven years. Yeah. Um, so he forgets about him, right? That's a long time to forget. <laughs> um, but, of course, at the right time, uh, God, God brings it about. So then, of course, Joseph appears before Pharaoh. Uh, and he tells Pharaoh his dream, and then he is appointed second in charge, only to Pharaoh, right? Um, 
And of course, even that is part of Jesus' story because uh, Jesus is at the right hand of God, ruling all things, both uh, making our time of plenty uh, good and in our time of famine providing for us. All right, so Joseph does all these things, uh, and we come then to the end of Joseph, uh, and about 400 years later, uh, what happens? That's a little further. Yeah, the birth of Moses, right? Um, so here we're at our, on, the, on your sheet, the time in history, uh, about 1808, I'm sorry, I didn't put AD, BC. So this is BC. Uh, so 1808 BC, um, Joseph dies, and about 1526, Moses is born. Um, so again, uh, by the time of the Exodus, uh, you, the, the give or take about 400 or so years, uh, and the Exodus occurs. Uh, so this is just to give you sort of where we're at in, in the Bible, where we're at in history. Uh, and keep in mind, what's unique about Christians' understanding of history? What's unique about or special about Christians and their understanding of history? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, right. We, we actually get the direct link to where God's working. Yeah, that's true. That's a good one. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I guess I'd say it's Christ-centric, not man-centric. Yeah. In other words, we see history built on charge. We see it from the view, uh, you know, our worldview is actually God's worldview, Christ's worldview. Yeah, so not only do we see God in history, but we also see it from his perspective of carrying out all of his plans. Yeah. Um, And the other unique part about it is that we get to see history from the very creation. No one else has been there, right? What is the world's definition of how far back we can go? Sla- yeah, right. Billions, millions, whatever. Um, and again, I-, I will repeat that that is not scientific. Evolution is not a scientific theory. Um, you cannot examine the things that evolution gives. Um, and they've already proven these things wrong, even scientifically, like carbon dating and some of these other things. They do have some accuracy. Um, so there is some merit to maybe a, a thousand or more years, but this million billion thing, again, they, you know, if you listen to some of the top lectures um, when it comes to, you know, ge- uh, what, what do they call it when they study rocks? Geology. geology. I want to say geography. I knew that was wrong. Um, these geologists, what do they do? You listen to them and they take this, you know, this, you know they look at the Grand Canyon, right? Well, this had to take millions of years. Well, Why? You know, and if you start asking, oh, couldn't it happen really fast? Well, I guess so, but that's not what happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and they've actually seen this with major floods or volcanic eruptions, that these layers happen in no time, right? And, and we happen to know of a catastrophic event. What was that? The flood, right? Um, and then the great, my favorite part, though, is when these animals go through layers. Like, they'll, they'll find fossils that go through these layers. You know, so apparently that dinosaur was, like, millions of years old, right? Not. So, so again, there, there's so many things out there. Um, but when your creation story is off, everything's off, right? The value of humanity, where we come up with all of our social understanding of who we are, um, everything becomes a mess, um, so we as Christians know how everything began because we know the only person who was there, God, right? 
Uh, and he wrote it down for us. So thank God. Um, because the, the other unique part about history is, um, and this is where, again, it's not, history is not meant to be the same. It's not the, it's not the same kind of knowledge that we can gain from studying something firsthand. Um, how do we know what happened during the time of Nero? People down. You had to write it down. So to write it down is the only way you can really know what happened. That's really the only way. And so the, the fact that God wrote it down through Moses is the only way we can have any real information about creation. Um, okay, uh, yes, Kim. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and again, this is, so, we are not against science. We're just against liars. That's all. <laughs> um, so uh, people use information in all kinds of ways. Um, and people can even twist the Bible too. Um, so again, we, we have to then look to God's revelation and his explanation of it. So this is our uniqueness that we know of the, the creation story. So this is our time in history. Now we're at the Exodus, or really at the time of Moses' birth. Um, I also gave you sort of a, a you know, sneak peek at the future in this time in history. Um, 1375 is the death of Joshua and the elders. So that sort of puts you out, you know, Joshua, and then the judges began around 1375. So this is sort of where we're at in time. All right. Uh, now going to the main thought. So now, now we're in Exodus, uh, and what's the point of Exodus? Why, uh, you know, why is it written down in this way for us? Uh, and I think uh, this is really the, the foundation story of Israel. Um, and and we, we have to understand where we... Uh, I, I was recently listening to... and I, I, Anyone can go and listen to this. John Kleinig on Exodus. Uh, I'm, I'm going to steal a lot from him. Um, but he has this great course on it. But he speaks about how, how we in America, in our culture, treat uh, our life in our history. Um, so, uh, and even in the English language, uh, this is the example he gives, is um, locationally, where is the past? Where is yeah. the past? Yeah, where is the past? If you're thinking in English terms, where's the past? <laughs> what? Well, that's true, but we—it's we, sort of a—it's behind us, right? You know, so in America, and this has sort of been our founding statement: is we go towards the future, founding a new nation, right? Um, and so, not only in the English language, but culturally, we, we see ourselves as going forward, right? But what's the problem with going into the future? Um, yeah, what what is the problem with that? You have to know where you're going, but how do you find out? Can you, can you find out what's going to happen in the future? Only by studying the past. Ah, okay. Well, you're, yeah, you're bringing in the past, right? Um, so, yeah, go ahead. The way this story is others in I'm not saying the time of Father's focus, but certainly going forward, they use the past as adventure. And then they said, I want to be over here, like the city on the hill, take the philosophy at that time. And so what they did is, I want to be over there. So now what they did is they surveyed 
a new benchmark further on. You know, maybe it's a little crooked right here and going there, you know, other influences. But they had a view that is the manifest destiny is what they call it. Right. Basically. Yep. And so, but the thing is about that, is unique, what you're saying here is that they really, they actually did use the past in the sense of, if you will, the knowledge of man and the relationship of man and God and what he was. Right. And they used that kind of experience, that firm ground right there, to basically allow to give us the first amendment. Mm -hmm. Which in there is not only freedom of speech, but more specifically freedom of religion. Because without a moral people, they knew one thing. If you just watch the old book, what happened when people didn't get to the left moralities. I mean, how many of those kids left morality and they had dispersions and wars and all kinds of stuff? That's right. That's right. Yeah, so, so without, so really, unless we have a crystal ball, or unless God tells us, we cannot know the future. And that means the only thing we can know is the past. That's the only thing we know. Um, and so actually, and, and the Hebrews sort of get this right, uh, but again, as sinners, we rebel. So even, even though they might have got it right knowledge-wise, they still mess it all up. Um, but I think it's a better way of thinking, and uh, is that you, you live towards the future from the past. So the way you do that is you look to the past for how to build your life. Um, now, that, that's why this idea of the family being destroyed is such a huge deal um, because if you don't come from uh, a mother and a father that were married uh, and that had a good marriage, how do you live? How, how do you actually live in a good marriage? You don't have a picture. And now that doesn't mean you can't. There are many people who have, you know, divorced marriages and all these things. They've still been able to form a good marriage. But especially for Christians, how do they do it? Let's say your family was, you know, destroyed. How did you form it? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that most times we modify the past to suit what we want to Yeah, that's true, right? We we sort of mold it into what we want, right? Um, and 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 that becomes a problem. And, and when that's happening more today, especially uh, with new history textbooks, they're literally rewriting the past or we're ripping it down, right? And saying you can't talk about it or think about it. That's why when they had these, uh, you know, all these things happening in the South where they're pulling down statues and, and all these things, again, you cannot eliminate the past. Uh, that, that's sort of its nature, right? The past is the past, but it most certainly happened. And so uh, even if you try to destroy it, it's not going to go away. Right? The only thing you can do uh, to try to destroy the past is what? Forget it. Forget it, yeah. But the problem is other people might remember it. So what do you have to do? You have to make them forget it, right? Uh, you have to change their mind. Um, well, some of it, they discredit, you know, what I've seen is just being a slave owner, you're discredited now, and you shouldn't be in any of the history books. Yep, right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah you are not a, you, you are less, and this is the crazy thing, but this is sort of the, the whole repayment thing, right? Uh, well, we're repaying you now by erasing you from history because you erased our ancestors from history, and it goes on and on. Um, Kim? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and see, this is the thing, is that if, if you move forward without a past, who is, what, what are you move, moving forward on? What, what, is, what is your basis? Me, right? Yeah, that's right, that's right. And, 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 and Nisha goes even further, and I think that's why, that's what we're living in, is the will to power. 
right? Whoever has the power writes the future, right? Or rewrites the past or whatever, right? Yeah. See, I Reminds me of what the Jews should have thought of themselves, being like a slave, if you will, to, to God and Christ. But they weren't. They saw themselves like the, like the jail. Like That's right. Injured. Yeah. And they weren't putting out the word of God coming like they were supposed to. One of the reasons they got this first thing they got the word It's clear. Well, they're telling these people. Right. The whole world knew that Christ was coming. One way or the other, I don't know. Yeah. Yes, Gnostic America, yeah. Mm-hmm. The goal of Gnosticism, which we are filled with in our society today, is to erase the past so that you can build a new future based on the elite's view. That's right, that's right, yeah. Right. So, but the good news is, we have the entire past, and this, this is the astonishing thing about the Bible, is if you wanted to destroy Christianity... What would you do? If you, if you wanted to get rid of Christianity, what's the first thing you'd have to do? Get rid of the Bible. You had to get rid of the Bible. Yeah. You've got you to gotta, you gotta somehow get it out of everyone's hand. No one can have a Bible. Uh, because then it becomes a little more tenuous, and then you have to pass it on orally, and maybe we, we have trouble with that. But the astonishing thing is, that's, they've tried to do that. Throughout history, they've tried to destroy the Bible. And they can't do it. Why can't they destroy the Bible? It's the, living word. it's the living word. You can't destroy God's word. Even if you try. And they have. I mean, again, you, th- you think about Satan. And this is, this is the great Luther who talks about Satan this way. You know, who, is, who owns Satan? God. And he sets a limit to everything he does. And if God says, sorry, can't destroy that, he can't. Now, where do we get the clearest picture of that happening? Job. He has to ask him permission. He, this is Satan going to God. Okay, God, can I do this disaster over here? You know, can I do this over here? Right? And it seems unjust to us, but this should help us. When we went through the causes of suffering, we should always keep in mind that God is in control. And he's in control of Israel too. Joseph, of course, he's like, oh, what is going on? You know, I'm, I'm a slave. I'm, I'm in prison. Uh, and then finally, in the end, what happens? He's exalted. Right? Um, and this is the same thing that happens with Israel. Now, as a nation, they're in slavery. Right? And, and you'll see this in Scripture, is this story keeps on repeating itself, but becoming more and more clear. So Exodus is really a clarifying point for Israel. And it's, really, it's why it becomes their founding story. They come from the fathers, but now this is now the one they repeat all the time. It's where they're from. Um, and, and it's really the unique part of Israel, because uh, why, why couldn't it be that Israel could tie themselves back to Abraham alone? Why couldn't they just say, oh, well, we're just children of Abraham, that's our identity? Why would that be a problem, historically? Well, yeah, God gave Abraham the promise, but what's the issue with Abraham? So, so let's say I'm, I'm a, you know, in, in Jesus' time, right? Well, I'm a Jew, uh, and I base my life off of being from Abraham. Who else can do that? The Muslims can. Or the Arabs. Yeah, Ishmael, right? Yeah, all the Arab nations can say, we came from Abraham. So that can't be their only founding story because someone else has it. It's not as unique. But who can say they were rescued from Egypt? Only the Israelites. 
only the Israelites, right? They're the only ones. Uh, and, and any of the Egyptians who decided to come along, right? This is, this is the great part, is that it, it, in, in, uh, on the last plague, who would be saved if they put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost? Everyone. Everyone who put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost would be saved. I wonder how many Egyptians did it. Wouldn't that be cool to know? But, uh, but this is why Exodus is the founding story for Israel and, and why God is clarifying what he's doing through, through the, the book of the Torah. It is, he's unfolding this story of Jesus. Um, go ahead. Briefly, we start with the pair, really a, and then by the time we get to the time of Moses, depending on how you figure out how many women and children there were below you know, the ages of the which the census was taken, probably 4 million people. Right. Which is mostly, <laughs> a lot of people. That's a lot. It was, I mean, and can you imagine moving all of them at the same time? And this is the wonderful thing about the Exodus, right? Um, all right. So, uh, so, so this is why, now, a founding story, um, to get sort of the, the, the picture of this and why God is, is giving this as the picture of Jesus, um, what, what is the founding, some of the major founding stories of America? What are our founding stories? The stories we tell that are part of who we are as Americans. Revolutionary War. Yeah, number one, right? Revolutionary War, number one, okay? But even before that, there's one before that. Yeah, Columbus, or maybe more popular, the Pilgrims, right? Yeah, it's sort of where where our our origin story uh, is the Pilgrims came over, right? now, and I, of course, Columbus is part of that. Um, but the, the, the pilgrims are sort of the, the beginning of the colonization, right? Then we have the Revolutionary War. And what's sort of the next founding story? Yeah, this, I think the Civil War probably was, you know, it's seared into us. Um, you know, that, that's why people can say the word slavery and, and so many people still shudder at this. Um, you know, because we, we went through such an amazing crisis. It really is astonishing that we still have that in us. You know, and that was all carried out by this founding story. Um, so you had slavery, and then, is there any other founding stories? Hmm. I don't know that there's another modern founding story besides the Civil War. Um, and, and so, is, now, of course, there's documents, too, right? We have the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Gettysburg Address. Those are sort of our founding documents. Um, but this then is, it, it, those, those things, right? When, when you sort of feel the Revolutionary War, right, or the Civil War, um, you know, the, that is what then is part of us as Christians. So when we hear this story, this, this is our founding story too, that Exodus has become ours, and we then are hearing how we are united to this people of Israel because we've become the seed of Abraham. We've become Israel. Um, so this is how God then will deal with us. Um, and so it's our foundation story, uh, how God delivers his people, but also that we are chosen by God to receive from him true worship. Because this is the whole trajectory of Exodus, is where do they go when they leave? Yes, but what was, their, what was the, the main goal? Yes, but, but the stop before. You're right, the promised land, that's true. But in order to, and, and this is the, the, the well, that's, that's, that's uh, an aberration, right? Uh, it shouldn't have happened. 
the Red Sea, yeah, that's the first one, right? So they go out, and then God tells them to go where after the Red Sea? Sinai. Sinai. And it was, they had to go to Sinai first before they went to the Promised Land. That was the, so the 40 years, that happened because of why? Their sin, right? That, that was their unbelief. And we'll, we'll dig into that a little more. But Sinai was required to get to the promised land. What did he get at Sinai? The law. The law. All of them. The moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law, right? All of those were gotten at Sinai so that they could live in the promised land. And that was then their, the rest of their journey. Going into the promised land, they had the tabernacle, right? Um, so they learned how to worship God. That was the point. He was training them that in order to get to the promised land, you have to know who God is and how to worship him. Uh, but you can't know that unless you receive it from him. And, and this, is, this is the wonderful thing is we have it not just in uh, abstract concepts, but Moses literally goes up a mountain and God writes it down, right? And, and this is the, the beginning of our scriptures. God is the first one who wrote the scriptures. He's the first one who wrote it down. And then, of course, Moses began to write all the other books, but God is the one who first put it down onto the stone, right? Yeah? days up there in the mountain. Probably because he was, God was giving Moses everything that is in the Bible. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that could have been it too. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. see this under Moses. And he said to him, and at that time, and there are historical events that happened in the other books. Right. Related to some of the things that he talks about in Exodus. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking that you can't get rid of God's word or the foundation stories that founded our country and other things like that. It takes a lot more time, but what you do is you modify what it says. That's right. Yeah. And train people to believe something different. Right. Right. Yeah. And and so the only way then to maintain this with human beings being as evil as they are and wanting to modify it is what? How do you maintain a history if you have evil people who want to destroy history? What's the only way you can continue to have the true history? God, he's the only one. If he doesn't keep it, we don't have it. Yeah. yeah I was just thinking, when you're talking about the past and uh, how, how, you know, we work in the future and so on and so forth and how the Bible has not changed, the way Satan has kind of got in there is by perverting the Bible. No, he can't beat it. Okay, we'll accept the fact the Bible is, we're not going to discredit it, so we'll pervert it. That's right. So we got a lot of these churches who are, Preaching an ungodly gospel, be it under the name of, of Christianity. You know? Right. But this guy's been reading a book called The Christian Left. Wow. <laughs> right. A lot of churches out there that are very perverted. Yes. Very yes. Perverted right. Right. Well, and, and again, Satan, uh, we as Christians have a unique perspective because we can see through Satan's lies. Now, the only way we do that is when we have the scriptures. Um, and only if then, because you're right, the scriptures with the Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is united to the word of God. And he then is the true teacher. And all who read these things and meditate on them, the only guarantee is that it's God's word and the Holy Spirit will teach us. Um, now, of course, we can untangle 
because we have the word of God. So we can say, well, you say that's the word of God. Let's look at the word of God and only use that. And we can actually untangle all things when it comes to salvation and when it comes to holy living. All those problems can be solved in Scripture. And they can be given in Scripture. Um, We have a rock on which to stand that nothing can defeat. The Word of God is more powerful than all other human words. All right, so the last thing I wanted to bring up uh, is uh, in the place in the Bible. So sort of putting Exodus in its place... um, so in Genesis 1 through 19, this is sort of the history we've discussed. So Adam to Moses, that's the history. Now, from, uh, from Exodus 20 through Numbers 8, that, that's quite a jump, right? Leviticus is in there too. Um, but from that point on to uh, Numbers 8, that is all the law. So this is where all the law is laid down. Um, so we're going to start that journey at the end of the book of Exodus and, and that won't, the, the law will not be finished being given until Numbers 8. And then finally in Numbers 9 through Deuteronomy 34, that's Israel in the wilderness and sort of the review of the journey. Um, so this is where Exodus is for us. Uh, and I put, I put a great quotation here from Luther. This is his uh, you know, explanation of Exodus. Um, if you have a Lutheran study Bible, that, that's what's in there. Um, but I just I put it here for everyone who might not have it. Um, and so, uh, so th- this is his explanation. I think it's great, um, but he, he brings up some, some good points. So uh, take a look at that for yourself, uh, and I think it'll help. Um, but again, the, the point is, all of this is to reveal Christ. Uh, and as we jump into some of the first, uh, the, the first chapter next week, uh, we'll, we'll get more into it. But I just wanted to give a primer. Any other questions for the book of Exodus and what it's for and where we're going? Okay, so next week we'll... See. Yeah, go ahead. Just one comment is, uh, I think one way of staying in the Word, too, is, is to stay together and have a study and fellowship with one another. Yes. By yourself out there, you're very open to the Yes, and so and, and I'm glad you brought that up. See, Christians speak God's Word no matter what. So, uh, so this is the book of Hebrews, right? Do not neglect meeting together. And we are to have this together. Uh, I didn't get to this point, but we're going to get to this next time is the life of Israel is a liturgical life. Uh, It's a life of service to God and service to neighbor. uh, And we live it through the liturgy. Uh, So we'll we'll get to that next time. All right, well, let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have delivered us from the evil of Satan. We ask that you would help us as we study your word, that we might cling to you always. Amen. Amen. Until next time.